the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Okay, we're here on College Talk Tuesday. Pearl and Andy Lockwood from Lockwood College Prep. Hello, viewers. Hello, Pearl. Hello, Andy. Hello, viewers. Hello, dog hair on your shirt. Yes, yes. I. Were you wrestling with our dog? Yes. As per usual, I have two dogs that I'm very fond of. And? And? Is that appropriate for College Talk Tuesday? Nope. You brought it up, though, didn't you? Didn't you, Mr. Appropriate? Distracting. Anyway, so um, I want to talk today about some new info that I learned last week at a college planning conference, the NECAG conference, National Collegiate Advocacy Group, National College Advocacy Group, NECAG. NECAG. Yeah. Um, Some of which I've shared with you, but not everything. So brace yourself. Whoa. All right. So I learned some stuff about, um, actually it was, it, was, it was a great conference, it was, there were probably about 35, 40 college planners from anywhere from Seattle to um, Maine, actually Portland, Maine. And uh, it, was in Char- it was in Charleston, South Carolina, so I got a chance to meet and listen to presentations from the head of admissions at Clemson, mm-hmm. uh, University of South Carolina, USC. To some people, the new USC, not classic USC, not Southern Cal, mm-hmm. and um, College of Charleston, which I was actually very impressed with. Uh, a lot of kids around here don't don't apply to that school. I'm going to start recommending it. Pretty easy to get into. They give a lot of money. And Charleston is such a great city. It's really one of the. Um, I guess we've driven through there together. Yeah. It's really one of the nicest cities that I've been to. It's very uh, right. very interesting. A lot of history. Very interesting school. So anyway, I'm going to share some of the uh, information I learned from them particularly about merit scholarships. And I also want to share some common um, sort of issues and complaints that people all over the country, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, you name it, have um, sort of about what we share in common, which I want to pass on to parents. And um, just some information about the SAT and the subject tests, which I thought was interesting too. Okay. Oh, and the coalition application, ah. which didn't exist until three years ago. And it just so happens that the Clemson guy was the main guy behind creating or, or, or creating that project, the coalition application project. So if you are joining us, either live or on replay, say hi. Uh, I don't have my laptop with me, so you're going to have to... Hey, your volume's on. Um, so you're going to have to, um, I guess, you'll be the one uh, giving the shout-outs today? Yes. Anyone with us? Uh, not that I can see. People watching, yes. so if you're watching, say hi. And um, a lot of people watching replay. If you have any questions, pop them in comments. I will retrieve my laptop at some point and, um, and start uh, responding to those comments or questions. Um, and we're also, what we're doing, if you're local, we are uh, doing a soft kind of rollout of our um, college boot camps this summer, applications and essay boot camps, which you can, you can read about on collegebootcamps.com. The July one is not listed anymore because that was sold out, but we have um, one coming up in the middle of August, and then I think we're probably going to do another one 
either end of August or beginning of September, I haven't decided, and uh, and so forth. So we got got a lot going on here. Oh, also we're doing a um, doing our first actual live presentation here in this office um, tomorrow night. Cool. Are you coming? To help? Uh, you're putting me on the spot, probably. Well, what? Do you don't want to get stuck in traffic? Uh, no, but we have children, so let me just. Make sure Whatever. They're, they're not babies, okay? No, they're yeah. not. So, it'd be nice just to come and say hi. Agreed. You know, you know, it's, but I'm trying to figure out which way to configure the room. Should it be the chairs that way or should it be that way, perhaps? Yeah, I'm sure this is what um, everyone's wondering about. It's it's cosplaying and feng shui. That's that's on tap for today. Okay, okay. so let me talk a little bit about the, the, um, the, the merit scholarship stuff. So... I had actually had this question for a, a long time. I found it kind of irritating that whenever you look on a um, on a college website about their merit scholarship information, you never see information like to qualify. You right. need to have A, B, C, and D. Instead, what you see is recipients of the Chancellor's Award tended to have GPAs of blah 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 or higher, and in, in the top blank percent of your class and tended to have scores and the yada blah 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 blah. So I always found that kind of, I just assume they did that because they want to give themselves some wiggle room. Every year we try to appeal uh, financial aid awards and scholarship awards and frequently a lot of times when we appeal scholarship awards, the only time we're really successful is when we have offers from other colleges to play off against each other. But the times when I try to say, hey, it looks like we meet your criteria, can you take another look? Frequently, the answer is, well, you know, um, those are just loose guidelines, and we gave out all the money at this point, so I'm sorry, that type of thing. Okay, so the, um, I think this was all on the record, so I'm, I'm okay saying this, but the South Carolina rep said words to the effect of the reason that we don't publish specific GPA and SAT and ACT's, ACT score requirements for merit scholarships is because if we did, we would get an influx of applications of everyone meeting those criteria and then we'd have to then we'd be on the hook for giving out all that money hmm. so we have to keep it loosey-goosey and that's like so obvious I never even thought about that yeah. for, for years so the old it's discretionary right I mean so they have so these tendencies generally are accurately Factual. depicted right thank you and she does this all the time it's funny she does this. You stopped, okay? So, so that's so funny. Her mom did that too. So, um, anyway, it was it was endearing, just as as it is now, just as it was then. So, anyway, um, that, that's that's the, that's the reason why. And I do think that for the most part, it's in the college's best interests to keep it loosey goosey. Not only because of the you know the, the what I just described. But also, I think they are basically accurate because they want to attract kids with high grades and high scores, which helps their rankings in the U.S. News and World Report, which they also, you know, every college confirms that they look at like it's the Bible. And, you know, they, they want to attract higher quality people in, in general. So that, I think that was pretty interesting. Right, and that ties back to the reality of this. There is a choice out there for you, believe it or not, to pay full price, uh, pay retail, if you will, a $65,000 price tag, or if you end up being such an applicant who receives a, a hunk of merit at a 
school that might be considered lesser in some way because you know your statistics meet in such a way that you get awarded so much money if you go to that school you're you're presumably paying half price that's an amazing thing to consider especially if you have plans for graduate school etc the average discount off of tuition is still 49.1 percent it's been increasing by a couple of basis points every year last year i think it was 48.6 so about half a point up so that's another reason colleges are aggressively still discounting maybe not so much the elite schools but the ones that are a notch or two, you know, easier to get into, those are the ones where we're seeing a lot of deal-making, a lot of negotiation. Okay. If you're just joining us, it's College Talk Tuesday. Pearl and I talk about stuff that has uh, that relates to getting into college, paying for college, SAT and ACT prep, um, sometimes career and wiring. majors. Wiring. And wiring. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I saw a presentation on that also at this conference that I attended last week in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about a, a common problem that you and I have talked about a lot. You're going to like this one. Oh, right in your wheelhouse. That's here. That I heard from, literally, we were going around the room, and again, coast to coast and Midwest people all had the same issue, which is that too many times parents are letting the kids make the decisions mm. and drive the bus in terms of uh, financial decisions and the kids were causing or the yeah. parents were letting it's really the parents who are doing this letting themselves uh, have serious get into serious financial stress mm -hmm. because if it, and I, I can't tell you how many times I heard yep. this if, it, if you get into seven colleges and you get uh, scholarship or financial aid awards from six of them invariably the kid picks the seventh one right the one they claw their way yeah, in I heard that seriously yeah. you've, been, you've been laughing because I heard that from a guy in Ohio heard that from a woman in Oregon yeah. heard that from a guy in Portland Maine uh, you know so it's it's the same thing over and over again and the gist and it wasn't really like hey we have to do something about this the gist of the comment was can you believe that parents do this it's ridiculous that they let their kids take charge of the process. Right, and what, what the other problem is, it's either taking charge of the process or they are not controlling as parents when to have these conversations and what these conversations should look like. When should they have the conversation? Well, they should have it way before you're ever going to set foot on another college campus, way before you even choose what college campuses you're going to go visit. How about before you apply? That I mean, that too, of course. Yeah. Before you apply, before you anything. I mean, listen. Part of that reason is you don't know exactly what college is, is going to cost. It's, it's very weird because right. you know you um, <clears throat> you would buy a house this way. You wouldn't say, "Wow, I really love that house. Let me know what it costs in six months." Exactly. It, but but we can, and Pearl can. She has tools to be able to you know predict yep. reason with reasonable certainty what colleges are likely to give. Um, there is also one, one of the tools, by the way, which I didn't mention, is the net. Uh, the net price calculator, and I actually um, met the guy who created the net price calculator, which was kind of dorky. But anyway, back to the conversation, then I'll, then I'll talk to you about that. Oh, so... Get letting the kids drive the bus, when to have yeah, a conversation, it, and what should the conversation and be? And the conversation should be, if, if look, if money is no object and that's not your problem, even if it is, if that is your situation, if you do not have to overpay for something you may not want to a lot of people don't like to overpay for something 
Um, but well, it's a question of what's the value and what's the return on investment. Exactly. Which then that's the biggest question. And what you're looking you to study. Like, for example, if your student is looking to go to medical school, uh, there are two things going on there. One, you have the cost of undergraduate school and you have the cost which is at least as much as whatever the undergraduate education is going to be. So if finances are an issue and or how much you want to be burdened with loans, um, ultimately, finances. what what cost you can control that undergraduate, you know, can swing from if you go to a SUNY school, if you're in New York State, for about $26,000 all in, as high as if you're an out-of-stater going to USC, the one in California, for example, is about $84,000. Look at the difference, and that's just a difference in choice. How much you know, you're know you going to be in hock for that education or how much you're willing to pay. And at the end of the day, you are that medical school applicant who needs to have a 3.75 GPA or better if you plan to get accepted into a medical school in the United States, then that is the other piece that you have to consider when making these choices. So there's a lot to it besides just where your kid wants to go. And if, if finances are an issue, you better get in the driver's seat and stay there and, and talk about these, <laughs> these financial birds and bees, if you will, sooner rather than later so that You've had that conversation before you make your list and then start to develop a personal relationship with these various schools and the love only grows from there. So if those are out of the cards, it's like if you're going house shopping and you're in the $700,000 range, but you are being taken around to see homes that are $1.5 million and up. Realtors don't do that. That's going to be problematic for you. but. If you do that, so you need to control expectations. It's no different with your child. You know, if you, you figure out what the financial realities are at the outset before you then introduce your child to the whole concept and uh, decide where they're going to go. Not that different than when they were three or four. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it wasn't it wasn't the same old same old. But for a lot of parents, it is the kind of, the kind of the, the gist of the comments that I, that I heard at this conference. And by the way, if you're just joining us. I see a bunch of people uh, coming on now. Um, Pearl and I are talking about some sort of lessons or new bits of information that I learned last week at a college planning conference that I attended. And um, one of them was about merit scholarships and why colleges don't uh, publish specifically what the requirements are. And this, what Pearl's talking about right now. So I'll go back and listen to that if you, if you missed that. That's important. If Pearl is, um, what Pearl's talking about right now is this sort of common complaint that I kept hearing over and over again about you know college planning uh, professionals like us who really want to see our clients be as successful as they possibly can be, not only in terms of getting into college, but mm -hmm. also in terms of affording college, mm -hmm. how many parents let their kids drive the process and put themselves in financial peril because of this, not right. peril, peril. <coughs> and, and, the, and the biggest problem is just kind of, it, it's almost like an abdication of responsibility for, for, for your way. kids. And, and, the, and the question I, you know, you said, you made this point um, obliquely, but the, the point I always look at is, what is the value, if you, if you get into mm -hmm. your state school, like Pearl said, whatever state you're in, maybe it's 25, 30,000 bucks, or you want to go to an out-of-state state school, or an out-of-state private school, 
like around here, a lot of times it's a kid will get into like Michigan mm -hmm. or Maryland, mm -hmm. and that's fifty, sixty thousand bucks uh, a year, right. versus a SUNY school, state of New York, uh, you know, public college that which could be literally half price. So the question to me is always, I don't, you know, whether you have the money, that's one thing or not, but is it really worth paying twice as much to send your kid to one of those schools because? They have a great football or a great basketball team, right. or it's a big, you know, a spirited type of place as opposed to a, a different type of experience when you go to college. And I, I personally have a very hard time on, on uh, justifying that, but it's all over the board in terms of how parents react. Right, and and some we've we've had clients, and we you know it's it's about choices. It's it's about choices, and <clears throat> we've seen some clients. Uh, choose when they don't have the money to pay, you know, that premium on the undergraduate under education when they have a real affordability issue and uh, we have a client who sold their house, sold their house yeah. right, in order to pay for college, essentially. Not an Ivy League school no. and their kid was not an A-plus student. Right. So, or decided on a particular major. And then unfortunately, so everything is financed also to boot and those are debts that are very challenging to climb out of and the other thing I was going to say to round out what you were saying is and the other piece that you have to consider at the outset is the likely return on that investment it's not different than buying a house or making a business investment you're taking money hard-earned money and you're putting it towards something and you want to that at least be, be made whole that from that investment something else. correct yeah. so if the likelihood of taking $65,000 a year, as opposed to a different lower price, if the value is that much greater at some of these other schools, then of course, then, then you've evaluated and you've done your homework. If it isn't, then you may not, you know, maybe a sucker's bet. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad bet no matter what, because it's very hard to justify the outcome being twice as good if you go to school A versus school B, even if that's Harvard versus a community college. Sorry, there's no, there's no like, proof. It's like one of the only investments, big ticket investments in life, that people throw that um, due diligence aside. And all rational thinking in that particular investment goes out the window. I think they're treating it as a cost or expense, not an investment, basically. That's a problem. Yeah, and we look at it like an investment. So that's just like an overall that's, sort of, yeah. you know, can you believe we're going through the same, you know what, also type of conversation that I really had for two days. I mean, it was it was interesting, and then it was very frustrating, and we all kind of, you know, left there vowing to do a better job and trying to, you know, help parents get that message out. And again, it's not just about affordability. I mean, it's, we you know, we have plenty of clients who could pay for college many times over for right. each of their kids, but it's about the value. Is it right. really going to, you know, is it really worth it? But okay. if the kid, right. Got it. All right, so. this home. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's always next week. All right, sure. so let me, uh, let me wrap up here with a little more, more information on our um, other stuff that, that I learned. So um, I, I sat through, it was really boring, I have to admit, but I sat through this presentation. This is when I was texting you, I think. Back of the classroom uh, or front of the classroom? I was stuck in the front That's the first time because I got there late. Cause I flew Will you whispering loudly? 
I was texting you actually, mm -hmm. and you know, when I said already bored, yeah, our, our I remember that yeah. was about 15 minutes into the first speaker. Yeah, well, I know I missed apparently I missed the really boring one. Oh. I was told that, thank God, and then and then by someone you know who uh, Julie, our, our career counselor, mm -hmm. and then I sat down and I started listening to this other presentation, which from which from a, was from a Wells Fargo economist, someone who's like a talking head on TV, and I was like. This is the not boring one. Right. <laughs> you know, are you sure? But um, I thought it was interesting. She went through a lot of data and charts and all that, which you know, which stuff I kind of knew. College is expensive. Hello. Um, what I thought was interesting though is she when she compared the college debt level, which is now one point four trillion with a T, versus the mortgage crisis debt levels and a percentage of debt and household discretionary income, um, as well as the uh, factoring in the new income-based debt repayment plans, mm -hmm. she made an argument that the student debt crisis is really not um, likely to happen anytime soon. You know, people talk about student loan bubble bursting mm -hmm. and all that. Her, her opinion was that um, compared to the mortgage uh, debt levels and the percentage of household income and all that, it really wasn't going to be anywhere uh, close to that. Plus, when, you know, when people couldn't make their mortgage payments, they lost their homes. Right. If you can't make your loan payments, you know, you're not losing your brain. You know, you're, no, so, so, hopefully not. So, right. you know, so I found that, um, I guess, a little slightly less alarming, but it was still But it catches up with you, and it has other ramifications in life. It's not a road you want to go down in the first place. Is, yes, is Pearl, really I'm just telling you what the most valuable person is. We're not advocating that. Jeez. All right. Um, another uh, interesting presentation that I sat through was um, about this coalition application, which is now three years old. And the nuts and bolts of it is, you know, there's there's a common application that many colleges take. Mm -hmm. And I guess the the gist of why still, I'm still not totally clear on why a bunch of other schools decided to create a new application to simplify universally things. shared. To, but, but yeah, but they're creating new. I'm kidding. Yeah, but well, it is a, it is a simpler application, and it's kind of neat. Allows you to upload stuff, you know, to a locker, and then you can decide whether or not to include that multimedia thing that the Common App doesn't have. So it is more innovative. Bottom line, it has in, um, it has resulted in more and more applications going into college, which is why the full name is the Coalition for Access application. So there's more people applying because of the <clears throat> coalition application. And there's a few schools and that is now... is there a fee associated with that? Uh, it is, but it's lower or it gets waived. And there's a few and there's a few lower than the common app. So it's just another opportunity to make money, though, nonetheless. Well, it's it's a way to get more applications, not, not to necessarily make more money on the application fees. Uh, for example, University of Florida only accepts the coalition application now. Mm -hmm. So they're not... And so they're making less money on their applications. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I thought it was very interesting, but, but the bottom line here for anyone watching this is I think there's going to be more and more applications continuing to go in, which is going to make admissions rates even lower than they were last year. So you better get a jump on all that stuff and figuring out not only, some schools take both, the coalition right. and the con, figuring out which is more advantageous. Um, sometimes the, the essay requirements are different, like it's 650 max for the common app. And the, the schools that take the common app and the coalition you would think would have the same word limits. For both, mm -hmm. but by and large they do. But there's a few schools that have 650 for one and 500 for the other one. So it's kind of you know, and you so opt to take you, you those who want one. both. You choose which yeah. one, like the ACT, SAT, basically. Yeah, okay. yeah, just for a few schools. So um, anyway, bottom line, more applications are, are are coming in this year as well. Um, there's a link 
at the top of this page if you're local for our college boot camps which are coming up in August uh, definitely one of them is going to be in August a three-day a three-day affair where I just haul a bunch of kids in here we can't really hold more than 15. getitdone.com now uh, good, he's right? your problem now. He's our problem now. Exactly. Hashtag, he's our problem now. Right. Um, so that was interesting in terms of the coalition stuff. And I heard a little bit also about um, the, the a lot of kids who are, are striving to go to uh, Ivy League or competitive colleges also, in, in addition to doing the applications and the regular SAT and the regular ACT, there's also an opportunity to do, submit more testing called the SAT subject test, usually the SAT two, mm -hmm. or maybe I had it the other way around. Um, there's only about 28 colleges that want the SAT two. Hmm. And by and large, the, the, the big three areas, or the big three tests that are represented in terms of kids taking them is uh, bio, chem, and I think math one. It might be math two, but it's, it's, it's the whole one of the maths. And there's a whole lot of other stuff. There's history, which is in there. There's so many, um, so many different possibilities. You can take Mandarin, and SAT mm. two in Mandarin are subject tests. You can take one in Hebrew. Wow. Um, so, so they were like, you know, I don't know, twenty to fifty thousand or something who took chemistry and bio and all those. Four hundred took Hebrew, in the whole country. Oh. Yeah. So I think there'd be more. When you think like the the yeshiva schools and the Solomon Shakhtars and whatever, wouldn't you think there'd be more people who took Hebrew? Um, maybe. Depends if the schools that they typically apply to require it. Well, you should do, if you're applying to a really competitive school and you think you can get in the mid 700s on an SAT subject test, you should do it. Mm -hmm. Because most of the IBs and some other schools like Georgetown require at least two or three of those. And a lot of times kids find out, and parents find out too late, mm -hmm. that they that they are short one of those tests, right. or they have a too low a That's score in one fix. of those tests. Well, <clears throat> it's, it's a hard fix if you let it go too late, but it's right. easy if you're, if you're watching us and, and paying attention. Yeah. You want to make sure that you get all that testing stuff done. See if there's any questions before, before we wrap up. Yeah, sure. Um, thank right. you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Uh, you know, a lot of times kids take them, or the guidance counselors kind of talk them out of taking them, but there really are... 25, 30 colleges, I think I think it's literally 28 colleges that strongly recommend the uh, SAT subject test, which means uh, require in, in most cases. But uh, unfortunately, if you're going to get in the high sixes, it's not going to help you. You need to be in the low, mid sevens minimum to get, you know, to get a benefit from taking the, uh, the subject test in the SAT. All right. Um, that is all I had. If you guys, I'll give I'll give just the, the quick shout outs yeah. to hi to Barb from Maine. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Teresa, and hi, Louisa. Thank you about the package. Back at it, yeah, you gotta. Mm -hmm. It is a money choice. No, it should just Louisa was commenting. You guys are spot on about the getting about the best package. Yeah, no Good. need to waste your money. Good. Are we blurry or is that me? That's my eyesight. Okay. All right. So uh, anything, you know, any, any questions at all, either post them right here on this page if you're watching in replay. If you would prefer, do a direct message uh, to me. Uh, if you don't want the whole world, Mark Zuckerberg Knowing and Cambridge everything. Analytica yeah. to see everything. And uh, thanks for watching. Yes, and we'll you. talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, this is Andy Lockwood. Don't forget to visit our website, lockwoodcollegeprep.com 
for some more free, valuable information on how you can multiply your chances of admission to your dream colleges and qualify for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships along the way. Visit LockwoodCollegePrep.com for information on our free upcoming workshops and webinars and to download a copy of our number one best-selling book, How to Pay Wholesale for College. That's LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Bye-bye.